This is why we have Hollywood Mark Warren. I decided to attach the name Hollywood. I think I've been watching. Well, I, not I think. I know I've been watching way too much WCW, which is a topic for another day. Uh, so this is, I guess, technically episode one of Heckmouth. Uh, episode two, which we called episode zero, <laughs> will be out um, probably in April sometime as we figure out this release schedule um, as Griff and I figure out. Uh, how can we find time to watch all of this stuff and like entire filmographies and everything for this show? Um, but that said, uh, we'll go into this a little bit more next month. But Griff, why do why does the internet need another pop culture movies and TV show? Uh, internet needs another pop culture movies and TV show podcast uh, place of, of chicanery and whatnot concerning these things uh, because the internet needs the power of positivity to uh, steal <laughs> a certain wonderful trio catchphrase. So I was going to say, could we, <laughs> could we say that it's a new day? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. But no, I mean, you know, I, we, we need something to counteract this kind of, I don't know, listlessness surrounding what should be uh, sources of comfort yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah and just like talking about uh escapism and mythology like modern i guess western mythology as like that idea of whatever is western kind of shifts um global mythology maybe uh has gotten so cynical <laughs> and um and so we'll talk about this next week or next month, whenever, uh, as we figure out the, the timing of this show. Um, at Heckmouth, we, we're not saying that we're going to be completely uncritical, um, but this is not a place where we're looking for uh, hot takes to fuel the discourse. <laughs> we want to talk about movies and shows that we love, um, and we've got a great lineup of folks who are going to come on and talk about movies and shows that they love um, with us. Um, so we'll be talking about, for example, uh, the filmography of Kevin Smith. Um, we'll be talking about uh, George Romero's uh, zombie movies. We'll be talking about Agent Carter. Um, and I imagine we'll be talking about Lost at some point. I imagine we'll be talking about the Halloween films at some point as I prepare myself mentally for Halloween 6. Um, yeah. Really <laughs> looking forward to those conversations. Um, but tonight, uh, we, Griff and I decided, um, we want to talk about WandaVision, um, before, uh, the, uh, the hot take machine that is the internet and pop culture, um, conversations, uh, forgets about it. Um, but really honestly, because, uh, um, the new show, um, which I know the character's in, but I can never remember the title of... It's, it's got Bucky. Um, it's got my guy. <laughs> that should be the title. It's got Bucky. It's got I Bucky. Bucky. Um, fresh off a run of, of not being Luke Skywalker <laughs> in The Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're very excited for this, um, this next entrant, entry, or entree, uh, of the MCU into this, this new episodic um tv format on disney plus um but we want to take some time to not recap but just discuss um what we thought about wandavision um what we liked about wandavision and um 
hopefully uh, you all find this entertaining and insightful. I know that I'm I'm looking forward to this because um, for as long as Griff and I have been friends, uh, Griff, you've always been um, sort of the comics wizard. <laughs> you have this supernatural ability um, to like. I, I don't know you you are able to to get into comics and kind of translate comics i always i've you know i've tried to get into comics multiple times um and i'm always intimidated i'm put off there's there's so much out there that i have i just struggle with trying to, to find an entry point into comics and for you it's like breathing <laughs> you make it look so easy and so i say that because my my only exposure to not only um the characters on wandavision but really the entire mcu is is from the mcu <laughs> you know um I, I was thinking about it before we started and i think the only exposure i ever had to any of these characters beyond like the old X-Men animated series, which I don't know if that would even count. My dad is a Captain America fan. And I remember in like the nineties, maybe the early nineties, yeah. there was a Captain America show that my dad, uh, my dad watched. And I remember watching it and thinking like, this is weird. <laughs> this seems, <laughs> this seems strange to me. And then, but I don't remember anything about it. It could have been a phenomenal show. Um, but yeah, my my exposure to MCU and just Marvel is is the MCU. So let's talk Wandavision. Yeah. Um, well, I think when it kind of like touching on the the, the translation between uh, the medium of comic books and how it translates to uh, TV and movies, uh, characterization is key. Um, we've seen and lived through firsthand what happens when you trade iconography for characterization and it's uh, Warner Brothers and DC's earlier output where, you know, and I'm not picking on them, mm-hmm. but uh, when you announce a, uh, a Batman versus Superman movie and you're quoting lines from The Dark Knight Returns, you're setting a bar that is so impossibly high. You're either on stilts to meet it, or you're going to lower it after you've jumped. <laughs> so, you know, it's hard to get. And with the characterization comes, you know, what imagery you're bringing over uh, from from the books to to the movies or to TV. For example, the early X Men movies, uh, X One and X Two. Mm-hmm. Got the characterization right, but the costumes were lacking. So you're missing the bright colors. And yeah, some of the family elements are there, but it's muddled in, you know, literally because it's mostly, you know, a dark movie, mm-hmm. blacks and grays and all this stuff. Yeah. And, but, you know, so you're not getting the full link. Um, uh, the MCU from Iron Man all the way through and even some of the offerings that kind of weaved in and out, uh, like like first two Blade movies, even Blade Trinity, to an extent, I'll stop picking on it. Um, <laughs> Punisher Warzone, um, they were able to kind of get the characterization and translate the imagery that was on the page onto you know a living, breathing piece of media. Mm-hmm. Um, 
WandaVision is the first time we've seen the MCU in a, you know, at its core, like week to week, almost comic book serialized format. Mm-hmm. And it gets the imagery right. And most importantly, it gets the characterization right. Mm-hmm. Because this is the most we've really, you know, sat with and, and seen, you know, firsthand what it is that these characters, you know, do, you know, how they act. Especially in such high circumstances because, uh, timely enough, it is a show, first and foremost, about grief and loss. Yeah, yeah, so. and that was, that was one, one of the, the few intelligent points I had to make tonight is that I don't know if WandaVision lands the same way, uh, if it came out in 2019 or if it came out, you know, in 2023, assuming that everything is, uh, okay then. Like, I, yeah. I think because of all of the, all of the suffering and loss over the past year, um, <laughs> Wanda's, uh, grief, I think, really connected with a lot of people. Um, and also the, the, I guess the hook for the show, right? right? That she is processing her grief through these various sitcoms that, uh, were important to her. Um, well, it, it, to me, it seemed like kind of a an unusual <laughs> bit of of character work. It it's obviously something that can make that character relatable to the entire audience of people who have been uh, basically locked inside <laughs> for a year, um, relying on on shows across streaming services and and probably a lot of stuff that we grew up with um, as a way to keep our minds occupied over over everything. And I say this as you and I participated on two very long Deep Space Nine releases <laughs> when arguably there's no reason to talk about Deep Space Nine in, in 2021. And, you know, as you were talking about, this is the first time we've seen the MCU serialized, I thought, you know what would be cool to go back and revisit would be the Netflix shows. Yeah. And cover, cover each of the each of those, you know, I, I never did watch Iron Fist, and I think I watched maybe an episode and a half of the Defenders, um, but at least covering Daredevil and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones yeah. on their on their their uh, individual shows, um, but for no other reason that we could, I could just rave about Foggy, <laughs> how great he was. Um, I think that'd be really fun to revisit now as Marvel as the MCU has basically completely moved on <laughs> from from that world and from those characters um probably i mean there are rumors about daredevil yeah um but as we've learned we can't trust anything on the internet yeah, anymore. Don't, trust, <laughs> don't trust the internet yeah we can start a rumor that you and i are going to be in spider-man 3 <laughs> <laughs> why not <laughs> oh, why not yep <laughs> Um, okay, so how should we how should we approach talking about WandaVision um, for the structure of this episode? We we don't we can't go episode by episode, right? Um, so I guess maybe thinking about it in terms of just the craft parts of it. So you had talked about the characterization. So let's let's start there. I, that that might make the most sense. Um, so what did you what did you think about how they portrayed Wanda and Vision um, coming out of the the events of of Endgame, where where Wanda wasn't 
really anything more than a, a cameo. <laughs> right. Um, and obviously Vision Vision wasn't there. Yeah. Um, I think the best thing is that you saw as much as you could see because it's still you know a present well, a present day show for the universe but you saw why those two characters were together mm-hmm. you know like it uh like in uh infinity war obviously time has passed between civil war and and the avengers movie but they're together and you kind of you kind of left drawing as to why they're actually you, you know pretty much mm-hmm. you know a couple um and yeah you know they're a couple of the comics you go okay this is why they're doing this but you don't actually get the in-world textual stuff that makes it all click yeah um here you i mean right from the jump even though you, something's really amiss because they're in this 1950s world um you see the interplay you know, the camaraderie, you know, the fact that this is a, this is a living, breathing couple, you know, as presented by the MCU. Mm-hmm. And it works, you know. I mean, there's tension there with, with uh, uh, distance boss choking. So they established that they've been in this routine for a while where, you know, they have to do something, but it's have to keep everything, you know, on the low, which was pretty much their relationship uh, before Infinity War and Endgame. You know, they, they were together, but still had to keep it separate away from everything else. Um, but it really just dove in as to the fact that, you know, uh, uh, Thanos and his plan and the, and the snap and the blip really, uh, uh, really tore these two apart, both literally and figuratively. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I started rewatching uh, Infinity War maybe like a week or two ago. Um, and when we first see them in that film and they're on the run, um, I forget where in Europe they are, um, before they get attacked by the Black Order, uh, they don't have the same chemistry on screen that they did in, in WandaVision. Um, and I, I don't know if, if that's be- just because the actors hadn't like worked together as much or they weren't really sure what this meant yet, um, maybe they had to go through the experience of, of, you know, portraying Vision's death um, twice <laughs> in, at the end of that film to really make that, make that click. And it's not, like, bad by any stretch of the imagination. It's just not as uh, intimate, I guess, as real as it is yeah. in, in WandaVision. <laughs> like, you um, can tell when, when like, characters are, are forced together just yeah. for circumstance, like, on the page. Versus them actually organically, you know, being on separate paths and then coming together down the line. Yeah. And with that, you know, you, you know, they felt forced and it's not a detriment to the work they put in during Infinity War and Endgame. It's just that, you know, that's just how it was written. Yeah. There wasn't the time that they had. Yeah. And we don't know like what the shooting schedule was or like what order they shot stuff in. Um, I mean, you see that in, in, I don't want to say lesser movies, but I guess I have to like <laughs> sometimes it's more obvious, right? When they, they film a really big climactic scene first before the actors have had a chance to get comfortable with each other. And it, it seems very wooden or yeah. almost like a commercial. Um, I've seen that a lot in kids movies that I've watched with my daughters um, where we'll watch like the, the making of features just because like, 
it keeps running basically and <laughs> and the girls want to see more and they'll talk about like you know we shot this scene before we had even met and it's like oh yeah like once you hear that you can't really unsee it <laughs> um and so i like, think this is just baseless speculation but like that's one of the strengths of wandavision is that they for as ridiculous as the premise is <laughs> to people who have no exposure to this to any of this right for whom wandavision is their first uh like experience with the mcu like it works really well um it's a a huge credit um to elizabeth olsen and paul bettany for for diving in (laughs) to this premise um head first and just going leaning into it um as much as possible um, what do you think about the rest of the cast? I know people listening to this are going to want to talk about, want to hear us talk about Agatha Harkness um, <laughs> for sure. Um, but what about the what about the rest of the supporting cast here? Uh, one of one of the best like all around casts I've seen in a while. I think just top to bottom, because um, everything just it felt seamless. To a degree, just as far as everything, just kind of working in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I, don't, I mean, I can't, I can't, I don't, I can't think of another show that works so well. Yeah, top to bottom. Yeah, thinking about like other other science fiction shows that have a large ensemble cast. Um, there's, I mean, somebody has to be the weak the weak link um, right. on my podcast on tenure tracks when we talked about deep space nine um with that panel of folks uh mike dando and letitia brown and virginia khan uh we kind of agreed that ds9 didn't really have a weak link but maybe stuff more recently buffy and angel and lost um three shows that we'll probably end up talking about on here uh through no fault of the cast (laughs) there were characters that maybe got lost in the shuffle or weren't written as strongly as they could or whose performances might not hold up. Um, and maybe Michael on lost is a good example of that, or although to his credit, he kind of wrapped around and went from being like bad to like a meme. <laughs> to like, like, Oh, we're so excited that, that Michael's back. I hope he screams for Walt, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but there was nothing like that on on WandaVision. And I think that's really a, a credit to like everything behind the scenes. I mean, the entire, the entire run had the same director, which is yeah. um, pretty rare. I think like exceptionally rare these days. Um, so it's a testament there. Um, so let's talk about uh, Agatha Harkness. We'll talk about her and we'll talk about Pietro and um, then we'll, we'll move on to other craft stuff. Yeah. Uh, Agatha, played by Catherine Hahn. Um, you know, I, uh, I can't wait to see exactly where they pick up with her a couple years down the line. Because everything, like we, we kind of, we see her origin, right? But not necessarily her reaction to Thanos and, and the five-year period and everything else. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, and, and, and you know, that's not to say that uh, Doctor Strange 2 
and the multiverse of madness won't delve into the magical side of things because that's mm-hmm. where they're kind of leaning towards. But mm-hmm. I'm very interested to see kind of what that final piece was to kind of have her take notice of Wanda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be- because uh, that's like the last little piece character wise. Mm-hmm. Because again, like with, with the circumstances of the show, you know, if both her and Wanda wanted to do some serious damage, more so than what they did, they easily could have done it. Uh, this isn't necessarily a show with outright villains, and we'll kind of, I guess we're about to touch on you know what exactly heroes and villains are in this yeah. heightened world these days, mm-hmm. yeah. but. You know, this is, this is, it's kind of like the show itself kind of comes off like a character study with uh, high power fisticuffs. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, 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 you know, a night, neat little light show. Yep. <laughs> yep. But um, there is, you know, a lot of work that they can do there. And I'm especially curious um, considering Wanda's walk of shame uh, before she goes to talk to, uh, before she goes to talk to Monica and her leaving and like kind of how, like how, how that town treated her yeah. and a certain word that starts with M in the future of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Especially juxtaposed with, uh, with uh, Agatha's treatment by her friends and family. That imagery there was very reminiscent of uh, how they would treat mutants in the comic books mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if they choose to go this way this is just me talking yeah. but I'm wondering if we didn't get a preview of how mutants will be treated in the MCU yeah and I, I hope you're right um, I, I want to just rewind for one second um, to, to give credit I'm terrible with names as we'll, we'll probably encounter like 95,000 times as we do this. Um, but the director of, of one division, her name is, um, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Jack Schaefer. Mm. Um, she, uh, wrote and directed all of it. Uh, she did the story for the upcoming, um, black widow, mm. um, movie too. And, uh, on her, her filmography on IMDb, um, screenplay, uh, she wrote Olaf's frozen adventure, which I have seen <laughs> a bajillion times. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's actually pretty cool to go from writing a Frozen short in 2017 to now um, a, a name that Disney would be, I think, insane to let go of, right. uh, given how incredible um, WandaVision was. And, and this makes me like really excited for the Black Widow movie now, too. Um, yeah, so with, with Agatha Harkness getting like big uh, Loki vibes off of her yeah. in the sense that uh, I don't know how many people like, I don't remember how many people saw Thor I mean that was a billion years ago but we know after the Avengers <laughs> like people I feel like the fans brought Loki back right yeah. his, he was so good um, the character was so it was so fun to hate uh, and it was the just that scene at the end of the Avengers where the uh, Hulk smashes him, <laughs> right? Which is so rare to see in in superhero movies and see a villain who's just been this smarmy, despicable asshole for the entire time 
get just <laughs> beat <laughs> in 10 seconds and then lying in this mass of concrete, broken concrete, just like, <laughs> like we don't, we don't get that. And I, I think that the fans coupled with the, the power of his performance, I, I feel like that's what extended Loki's life in the MCU. And I, I think yeah. Catherine Hahn uh, as, um, as Agatha Harkness, probably did herself a lot of favors with how uh not just how much she crushed it um having to having to adapt like the nosy neighbor character across different genres across different sitcom eras and sitcom genres right yeah um but then how good the reveal was um you know it was agatha all along becoming like (laughs) the first big pop culture hit of 2021. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, a thousand gifts and a thousand memes. She was the baby Yoda of this <laughs> show by far. Um, yep. And I think, I wonder, I wonder if maybe if this show didn't work, if if Agatha would always just be just trapped in this, this mental prison that Wanda made for her and we'd never see her again. Um, now I think like the folks over at MCU headquarters at, at Stark Tower are uh, <laughs> got got the 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 writers' assistants working around the clock to uh, come up with ways to bring bring Agnes back in a, a post credit sequence, maybe in Doctor Strange two or wherever. But you know the people want people want her back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a testament to a performance that is like, you know, one overall uh, uh, connecting thread of Agatha Harkness herself mm-hmm. with 10 different versions of it. Yep. You know, just, just fantastic stuff. Yeah, not an easy ask of any actor yeah. in a, in a miniseries um, to have to do all that, including like going back to the 1600s and seeing basically uh, Agatha's origin. Yeah. Um, which in its own set piece, right, with its own um, effects and makeup um, and costumes and everything, um, and having to get that right, like the subtle changes in her her affect and how she spoke, like that's a big ask for an actor across uh, nine episodes of a miniseries, and even for that just one that one scene, yeah, right? um, really really good stuff. And similar to Loki, like she's not. We've had we've had so many either like mustache twirling James Bond villains or because of the legacy of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, just like impossible, undefeatable, uh, like almost monsters, almost like Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees types of, uh, of villains. And we don't get the ones that have, that may not be a villain. Um, I don't think we could necessarily say that Agatha is a villain. I don't think right. there's anybody who was a villain in this show, except for, I guess maybe the generic um, military guy who wanted to weaponize vision. Yeah. Hayward. And I think, honestly, I think he's too stupid to be a villain. He just got too entitled. <laughs> I mean, he got <laughs> defeated by a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I mean, that's, I mean, that's, you know, his flaw was that he thought he could use some stuff he should have been using. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, which is interesting, right? Because we know we know that Disney has a has a contract with the Pentagon about how the military is displayed. Um, 
and everything. Yeah. And uh, I saw some folks like, like kind of ripping into WandaVision for being like propaganda, and I don't see that. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see that. I think. Um, I think you can make the argument that there are probably a lot of folks in DC who are not pleased with this idea of the government being like heartless, which they would be uh, <laughs> regardless of who's in office, like 100% they would have said like, we're going to uh, reclaim this super weapon um, and try to mass produce visions to take over the world, um, right. make our own, our own Ultron. Um, but yeah, the fact that he was just so narrow-minded and then got beat by Darcy in an ice cream truck. <laughs> He's just kind of stuck there. <laughs> yeah. And they, they've said that they had to rework that a little bit because of COVID. So yeah. we, don't, we don't have his full final fate yet, but you know, I'm sure it'll involve scrolls or something. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect to ever see Baron Zemo again, and here we are a week out from from that um yeah. so that's an, i'm i'm excited for that uh so let's let's move on to talk about uh pietro <laughs> fake fake pietro um the man whose unexpected debut um uh rocked <laughs> the fandom i think it's safe to say um up until the uh the debut of it that was agatha all along um i think now, the second most important line of the series was Darcy saying, wait, she recast Pietro? Yeah. And this kind of holy shit moment, like, we never... I mean, we knew cognitively that eventually the X-Men were going to show up um, in the MCU, but to see it here and with this character, when maybe a lot of folks were expecting, like, and, you know, I was. I every episode I'm waiting for Charles Xavier to come <laughs> to come in or Magneto to come floating down. Um, but for it, like, kind of the genius of it to be Quicksilver, because um, he was portrayed by two different actors across the two different corporate versions of the story, mm-hmm. uh, and then kind of the a little bit of a disappointment that it was just Ralph. Yeah, <laughs> but isn't that? Isn't that like the perfect sitcom button though? <laughs> it's it's and in the end this this person that was supposed to be, you know, this hyped up guest star, this hyped up introduction into the main character's uh lives was just a character named Ralph Boner. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean I, uh-huh. I I get it like like first of all it's genius casting. Oh, and then yeah. second, um it's even better because once you realize it's Agatha all along, it's then uh, Agatha Harkness as Pietro. Mm-hmm. So still taking advantage of all the knowledge, mm-hmm. but from the the uh, antagonist viewpoint. So yeah, it's going to be a little trolly and, and yeah, a little uh, winky, but yeah. you know. And it works too because we like by that point we know Wanda is controlling everybody there, mm-hmm. um, and she sees him and she's not controlling him, but she's so depressed and so strained I think probably by having to control uh, the entire city that she just rolls with it. And yeah. It's like oh cool like not Pietro is here and I'm so happy to have my brother back um, that. 
I'm just going to kind of roll with this fantasy and not not ask any questions about why he's here, which makes absolute perfect sense. <laughs> like yeah. if there was a if there was a, a a deleted scene where she's at that cabin that we see her at the end, where she's talking to herself and is like, "I can't believe I fell for fake Pietro." <laughs> <laughs> Like you can totally like totally see it, but that's how that's how mental health works, right? Our mental illness works. She she wanted to believe it. Um cognitively she knew it can't possibly be true. Um may have even been a little suspicious of like what's happening <laughs> right now. Um but hey, I got my brother back too. Um that works. And he gets to be the zany uncle which was perfect for that version of Quicksilver. Yeah. Um, I thought Evan Peters was amazing uh, in that when they had the episode of the Halloween one where he's taking the boys out and like speed running them through all of the pranks at once. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the neighborhood watch is like looking for any little delinquents that night. <laughs> it is so good. That was so good. Um, with vision and the luchador costume. Perfect. Yeah. Um, it was, it was great. It was really great. And, um, so do you think, so like we were just talking about with, um, with Loki and then with, with Agatha, do you think that, uh, the portrayal of, of Pietro here might make Marvel rethink how they were going to handle him? Um, I think that they were, whatever they were going to, they're, well, not to make a bad point, whatever their end game is, <laughs> um, was probably solidified by the response to Pietro. Yeah, because um, I think it, I think it's a lesson that the internet needs to learn is that they're going to do what they plan to do, uh, regardless of how um, things are received. Yeah. So uh, I think due to the positive feedback from his performance they're now going to expedite and really, you know, hone in on mm-hmm. what their, what those steps were to solidify that choice because yeah. they didn't just do it just for laughs, you know, just for that, that connection. There's going to be a real payoff to it uh, eventually. Yeah. So I think we've learned that everything that Marvel does is very deliberate, uh, which is really a breath of fresh air with, <laughs> Uh, sci-fi and fantasy stuff where like maybe one film or one season is written and if it gets picked up then they're like oh what are we going to do um because of the the incredible amount of wealth and money involved in this um which is gross in its own way um what i think artistically the benefit is that while there are of course restrictions um for working for disney that it allows the like the art to to flourish more i think yeah um, and allows them to uh, to plan ahead, right? And to, to think stuff through. Um, and I think like like another good example of this would be uh, the the Star Wars High Republic stuff that's coming out now, uh-huh. where that's coming out in different different mediums, um, adult um, uh, novels, um, YA novels, comics. Um, but everybody working on that project, like obviously collaborated and worked together and, and, you know, there's stories about this basically like a, a writer's retreat where yeah. the entire, uh, storyline of the high Republic was, was sketched out. I think Marvel has the same thing. 
Um, and the other thing that I think we have to remember is that when this all started, nobody cared about Iron Man and Captain America. That's right. They were not. <laughs> Marvel was not mm-hmm. a powerhouse beyond like the comics world. Right. Uh, I think Superman and Batman were were the two most popular comic book characters in the in the country. I'm guessing. Um, they had had the most movies. There was Spider-Man was up there and the X-Men were up there, but you know, people who have followed the MCU and Marvel will tell you that launching with Iron Man was like a completely insane <laughs> decision. Yeah. Um, and not only did it work, um, I think Tony Stark has uh, surpassed um, Bruce Wayne as as that archetype of character um for for this generation of storytellers um yeah. I think dc and warner brothers are so far behind um that and we've like this is a conversation for another day we've seen that they have the potential to kind of bust out and do things differently from the mcu i think the worst thing they could do would be to try to copy the mcu uh but that's a, another story for another day um, the MCU has done such a great job with taking characters that nobody has cared about outside of the fandom, which no, no disrespect to the fandom, um, and turning them into household names. Yeah. Uh, the only weakness, honestly, is that they've repeated the Iron Man pattern too many times <laughs> with origin stories yes. where the villain is like, the the polar opposite <laughs> of of the hero, right? They did this with um, Black Panther. They did this with Doctor Strange, um, and we see kind of the reluctant hero journey, then embracing like I'm going to be this hero. They've done that a lot, but they're aware of it. That's why Spider Man. We didn't see Uncle Ben die for the hundredth time on screen. Spider Man is just already Spider Man. Yep. <laughs> which was such a breath of fresh air. There's no reason to reintroduce him. Everybody knows who Peter Parker is. Um, so I think it's exciting to to think about what what is the MCU going to do with the X-Men? What random obscure mutants <laughs> that nobody is thinking about right now do they have like for phase 10 <laughs> or whatever... <laughs> This is going to be central. This obscure storyline <laughs> is central to stuff <laughs> because you can't. You, you know, if we had, if nobody would have been able to guess that that Wandavision would be a thing, where <laughs> what, like two thirds or maybe seventy five percent of the season is set in like mocked up uh, different sitcoms. Never. It sounds like the most ridiculously insane idea that you could do, and that it would be the flagship of uh, one of the flagships of Disney Plus and Marvel's first uh, foray into this new serialized product. It's insanity. Yeah. Yeah, and it does it, it it does set the bar extremely high now. Yes. Because I think, and this is just again, this is just you know, speculation on on the, on the positive side of things. Um, it shows that if if uh, Marvel and Disney are given the space, 
to double down on these, you know, serialized characterization, it will pay off. Yep. Um, the days of cramming everything into a two and a half hour movie and then, you know, getting immediately scheduling a trilogy of movies, you know, locking in a big name actor mm-hmm. to do, you know, three movies and then spinning them all forever. Mm-hmm. Those days are pretty much done now. You can do a prestige. All right, I'll say it. You can do a 12 week limited series called House of X and Powers of X <laughs> and do an X-Men adaptation and then do X of Sword as your big two and a half hour movie mm-hmm. and then come back down and do a Reign of X 12, <laughs> 12 episode limited series and go back up. Yeah. You know, you know I think there there used to be two big properties right that everybody said were unmakeable uh i guess maybe three but uh the lord of the rings forever mm-hmm. was nobody we can't make this this is impossible and then the watchman uh right. this is impossible um and peter jackson uh in spite of a lot of uh, as we know now a lot of stuff working against those films um <laughs> in the form of harvey weinstein yeah uh, and like I didn't know about any of that. I read, I think Drew McQuarry wrote about it. Um, mm-hmm. I read, I read his piece on it. I was just astonished at what those movies might have been if Harvey Weinstein got his way. Um, for folks who were listening who aren't aware, uh, the original pitch for the Lord of the Rings trilogy was just to make it two mo- two films, uh, which would have been interesting. Um, potentially disastrous. Um, and then Zack Snyder, and I know Zack Snyder is a very um, polarizing yeah. creator. Um, I am a fan of the Watchmen movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it is basically a frame-for-frame frame <laughs> replication of of the graphic novel. But I think uh, what was most important with that story was getting the the coloring and the tone and the lighting right, as strange as that sounds. Yeah. Um, and I think it looks beautiful. I think it's, I think the cinematography in that, in that film is incredible. Um, and so I think once those two titles fell and then Marvel starts or the MCU becomes a thing, I wonder if folks were like, huh, <laughs> if these things that were impossible to make could be made, then is there really anything that's impossible to make? Right, anymore. and I don't yeah. think that there is. No, um, not anymore. You just need there's you know they need the dedication at this point because the vision's there. It's out there somewhere, but you, yep. know, you, have to, you have to be dedicated to find it and dedicated to see it through. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if the money is there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are obviously a lot of variables that have to fall in place. I also wonder if people have learned stuff from making. This is completely, I never, I didn't anticipate talking about this tonight, but I wonder if people learned a lesson from adapting the Harry Potter books into movies Mm. where like, and I guess also with Lord of the Rings too, where there's so much world building stuff in the books that can't possibly translate to screen. Um, With Lord of the Rings, it would be Tom Bombadil, (laughs) right? And the the Tolkien purists out there, I apologize. Tom Bombadil (laughs) should not have been in the film. It would have been... It would have it would have thrown people who didn't know what was happening. Um, it, it's such a weird part of the story, it's, anyway. 
Um, I wonder if you have learned of like you can be kind of fearless with uh, editing source material for adaptations and find ways to make it more cinematic and more visually visually appealing, but still get the the gist of the story, right? The important beats of the story on screen um, with the right cast, um, just putting putting the work into it, um, auditioning and re-auditioning and, and whatever, um, and lots of screen testing, right? Um, yep. you, can, you can translate the untranslatable um, to the screen. And I think that that's what a lot of folks who for decades uh, viewed comics as either um, like me, like I have a hard time cracking the code here and figuring out a way into the story. Um, but also we were just like, this is nerd shit. Yeah. <laughs> like this is dumb. Let's make another, uh, action movie. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> action movies are fine, but I, <laughs> it's, it's just weird. You know, 30 years ago, yeah. we were kids <laughs> like <laughs> when you guys are old, <laughs> uh, not only will comic book movies dominate Hollywood, but they will have like officially become basically 21st century American mythology. Yep. And it's so strange how fast it happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's nuts. So let's talk about the setting. Um, because I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the, the ways, like the various sitcom eras and genres that they were able to um, not parody, but mimic, Mm -hmm. I think, really well. Um, Anybody who grew up on Nick at Night (laughs) uh, probably had some moments. I had several watching this. Yeah. I was like, I remember this set from somewhere, but, but nowhere at the same time because they did such a good job of making it look really recognizable without being a direct... Uh, rip off of anything in particular, yeah. right? Um, I mean, that first episode in the in the fifties, um, their their house is enormous. <laughs> <laughs> the set the set of the living room into the into the the dining space, and then the closed off kitchen. Like <laughs> that was the biggest house I've ever <laughs> seen on TV before. But that's how those shows were shot, right? And that. Yeah. That massive couch <laughs> that they had. It was absurd, but I mean, I just, I remember seeing so many old shows that looked like that. Um, and then into, they, I thought they did a good job kind of creating the Brady Bunch house. Yeah, the <laughs> steps. Yep. Yeah, the yeah. staircase. Yeah, yeah the staircase. Um, and then, of course, the, uh, the modern family slash the office. Uh, <laughs> version um near the end with the talking head part where <laughs> I, I lost it when vision did jim albert <laughs> like oh my god i can't believe this is happening right now um so one of the questions i had the, the prep that i did for this uh if we could go back and and add an episode or two to wandavision what uh, sitcom types would you like to have seen their interpretation of? I have two. Ooh. For this. What sitcom types? Yeah. Either eras or genres. Ah, jeez. Well, there, there's the, there's the, there was the meme going around. 
<laughs> which was uh, uh, which black sitcom would you have wanted Wanda Vision to show up? And I don't. That just I don't know. <laughs> like, and I say that as as a big time fan of Martin and Living Single, but I don't know which one. That's that, that's a little. You have to have a very deft and delicate hand. <laughs> Yeah, to throw those characters in there. Well, 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 except for you know, except for Monica. But yeah, you know, so there, um, there is there is a way to do it. <laughs> um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say like anything recent. Like I wouldn't Martin or Living Single. Like absolutely not. They shouldn't have done it. Oh, I know what's what's. <laughs> yeah. So. uh one of the things I was thinking that they, they left off was the the genre of sitcoms that are set in working class uh, households. So yeah. that would be like Sanford and Son. Um, that would be uh, Roseanne back before she went off the rails. Um, that would be Married with Children. <laughs> that would be All in the Family, right? Yeah. Um, I think having an episode where like vision comes in <laughs> like the Al Bundy frump <laughs> like, a fat woman walked into the shoe store yeah. and have vision making these really misogynistic <laughs> jokes. And he's like, un- like not sure what's coming out of his mouth. I think a lot of that like blue collar humor, because that's something that was a genre that wasn't defined by the decade, I guess, beyond the fashion that they, they wore um, and even married with children. And Roseanne to an extent, but Married with Children definitely had some like seventies vibes to it with how um uh, Peggy Bundy dressed, right? So there there could have been a way yeah. to to do that. Um Vision has some like crappy manual labor job <laughs> that he hates and Wanda is now like useless. <laughs> um <laughs> And and giving Vision like a bunch of like other other dudes in the neighborhood who are now his friends who are like all stupid too. I think would have been <laughs> would have been really good. Um, the other thing I was thinking, the other genre I was thinking would have been something animated um, to yeah. for The Simpsons, which I also would be like a blue collar working class kind of thing. Um, but like a Simpsons South Park Family Guy kind of kind of thing because like you can't the the impact that those three shows but the simpsons especially have had um and since disney owns the simpsons now uh i i don't know that it would have been in my mind it's not a, a huge ask to get you know five minutes of of animation um from the simpsons folks for the show yeah um i think they can move the money around um to make uh, that, make that happen um, but I thought that would have been really interesting. Uh, thinking about it now, uh, I think something Cheers-esque, mm. but at the Swarmer shop <laughs> would, would have been interesting. Yeah, Although she wasn't there for that, but she could have heard about it. Yeah. This is where the Avengers used to go. Now nobody's here. Um, <laughs> uh, what else? I was just thinking. Um, some sort of riff on... Uh, the uh the overachiever su- super uh super smart character mm-hmm. like uh Ferris Bueller 
Oh yeah. Or uh, or uh, even Parker Lewis can't lose. Yeah. Yep. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Or, or yeah, even uh, even uh, Pete and Pete with uh, Wanda's kids. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about those like those old Nickelodeon shows, Pete and Pete, and um, salute your <laughs> hey dude for the circus. Hey, dude. Yeah, <laughs> you know, another one I just thought of that could have been good that I think a lot of people would have that would have resonated with a lot of folks would have been a TGIF episode because um, you could hit like similar to the to the working class when you could hit a lot of beats right like you could bring in an Urkel. <laughs> the MCU version of Urkel, yeah. MCU version of Balky. <laughs> uh, I think there's there's a lot of stuff there, um, and, and yeah, I don't know. I think like a lot of fun. Um, Alf, <laughs> bring in bring in Alf. Um, <laughs> it's funny because uh, uh, G four there before G four. Uh, run before they actually launching it. They did a uh, Easter eggs that you missed segment for WandaVision, uh-huh. and one of their fake Easter eggs was Alf <laughs> lurking in a uh, lurking in the doorway. <laughs> <laughs> the episode where the neighborhood's cats are just started disappearing. <laughs> Vision confronts Alf, who is really a scroll. <laughs> it writes itself. Yeah, it's right there. <laughs> Revision comes in with the high Urkel pants. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> there's so many, there's so much potential there. Um, but for what they did, I, I guess I can forgive <laughs> for not, not exploring or, or, or further mining uh, the, the depths of uh, sitcom Americana or whatever we want to call it, American sitcom history um but it's it's fun to think about what could have been yeah um, because i think pretty obviously this is a, a one and done kind of thing yeah uh, having having her suddenly go back into tv land uh would be weird <laughs> and it was it was so weird uh as soon as the show ended like the, the day that it ended oh those articles will pop it up like will there be a season two it's like i don't think that's the question to ask it's like the, the, yeah, because it's not a season two. It's how's the story going to continue? Yeah, and that doesn't necessarily have to be Wandavision season two. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an idea that you you can't go back to. Mm-hmm. Going back to it will feel cheap, like a money grab, and it becomes like an eighty slasher film. Mm-hmm. Where we made a lot of money off of this, so now we have to we have to bring them back. We have to find a way uh, for some villain to force Wanda to go back and make another TV show, world or whatever. Um, they, oh, I know how they do it, but <laughs> <laughs> that encyclopedic uh, recall you have. <laughs> I know exactly how they do it. Oh, here's the villain. <laughs> it, it writes itself. Yeah, yeah. I'll, just, I'll just leave it somewhere. Yeah. Well, I should just mention it here. If they do a season two with Mojo from the X Men, that's your that's your end. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But they, which they have mentioned. I mean, Mojo gets referenced in Deadpool too. Oh. So he's there. <laughs> it could 
You heard it here first. <laughs> Breaking Heckmouth news. Let me let me just uh, get it get, get it out there now. We'll feature uh, Mojo, and then Griff and I will be in Spider-Man Three. <laughs> yes, yeah. we got to keep the running tally. What comes true? Yeah. One day we're going to accidentally get a prediction right, and then the whole gimmick is ruined. I <laughs> think <laughs> <laughs> the stupidest thing we can think of it's going to come true, and we're going to be like shit. <laughs> now what? Now what are we supposed to do? Our credibility is ruined. <laughs> we weren't supposed to get this stuff right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right now, somebody is like, what if Alf is a scroll? <laughs> Let's do that. Let's give vision of <laughs> a little alien sidekick from Melnack. <laughs> it's going to happen in the next Guardians movie. They're going to go to Melnack. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. James Gunn, call us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is clearly getting into like delirious territory. Is there anything else we want to talk about with WandaVision that the people might want us to, to explore? We talked about characters and setting. Um, um, origin stories. Yeah. Uh, after, you know, after the fact, pretty much. Because we, uh, this, this pertains to both Wanda and Monica. Mm-hmm. Because we have, like, you know, they both have two different sets of origin stories. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we saw, you know, Wanda in the Avengers movies seemingly at first, you know, being this uh, 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 manipulated by Hydra to become this weapon. And now we learn that uh, she was pretty much, or as, let me put it this way, it was presented to us uh, that she had abilities and powers all along and they just needed to be coaxed out. Yeah. Um, and then on the, so now we have, you know, we have both uh, Wanda Maximoff's origin and now the origin of her as the Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Um, uh, with Monica, we saw her origin uh, on the cosmic side of things, being a part of Captain Marvel's world. Mm-hmm. And now we see her origin um, being fully integrated into mm-hmm. the, the superpowered side of things. As a child, and, right? And, yeah. And yeah. She meets Captain Marvel as a little girl. Um, and now we see her as, uh, on the super side, of, superpowered side of things. Mm-hmm. As she now has her her energy manipulating powers as spectrum because photon was her mom's mm-hmm. uh, call sign. So, uh, or did I? Am I getting the two conflated? I might be, but um, Monica's photon. Yeah, um, but she she gets her spectrum powers mm-hmm. uh, by going back through the hex field, mm-hmm. and I noticed something very neat. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, her powers, they they manifest uh, with the same color as the Infinity Stones. Mm-hmm. So again, you're going back to the spectrum of colors and stuff. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. So I'm I'm interested to see if they actually tie that link. Yeah. Because we still have have the Infinity Stones present in some form. Yeah. So and then the, and the color was interesting too because when she first gets her powers and they do like the blue flash and her eyes change blue uh, or turn blue briefly 
like it's I, I think we are meant to think that it's going to be her versus Wanda as like this red versus blue yeah kind of thing um and then Agatha being purple um I thought was really cool um and so just like that I mean it's very well I thought it was subtle maybe other folks thought this was like they're being like beaten over the head with it um I thought it was a really kind of cool bit of misdirection mm-hmm. um that we're like okay so like she's she's got blue powers and one has red powers and, and whatever. Um, but I thought that was important because then we see Agatha as kind of the middle of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, they, if they're, um, if they're corresponding to infinity stone, so, uh, crap, what was blue? Blue was, uh, uh, was space stone, right? Let's look it up. Cause I'm not going to yeah. be able to tell you the yeah. answer to this question. Uh, yellow gold's reality. Red, I am blanking on. I'm thinking it's power, but I might be blanking. Um, when I typed what colors were the into Google, the first autocomplete <laughs> dinosaurs. <laughs> what colors were there? What color were the dinosaurs? What dinosaur used the soul stone to defend? <laughs> <laughs> there probably is like an obscure dinosaur themed comic <laughs> where so the space stone was blue, reality yeah. stone was red, the okay. power stone was purple. Uh, what was yellow? Yellow was life. Yeah, yellow was the mind stone. Mind stone. Okay. Time stone was green, and soul stone was orange. Okay. So yellow was when she phased. Uh, when Hayward went complete mm-hmm. dummy and and tried to shoot the kids because when you play it in work you 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 do something really stupid. Yeah. Um, and I I saw a lot of flack. Uh, for that scene because I didn't like Monica putting herself in that position. And I understand it, but I think it spoke more to her selflessness in the moment mm. and not necessarily the imagery of a black woman putting herself in front of bullets. Yeah. So, so that, that's just, that was just my take on it. Yeah. Um, and I guess that kind of leads us to the other thing I want to talk about, which was um, the idea of hero, heroes and villains in this heightened world, yeah, and the the there was a one question I kept seeing. Well, it, it, one statement that I saw pretty much after the fact, like at three fifty two in the morning, <laughs> after the last episode was Wanda was the villain, and uh, you know, in the days and week after uh, the sentiment, you know, a lot a lot of Twitter polls um, of uh, you know should Wanda go to jail. And um, I, it got me thinking. You know what? Well, number one, you, you, we've seen what uh, what jail and incarceration look like for heroes or villains, or uh, we've seen what it looks like in the MCU. Mm-hmm. It's called the raft, and it didn't work because Steve Rogers, you know, went on in and got everybody out. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, but it got me thinking, you know, number one, you know, I don't think, I think we're beyond those labels. Yeah. And, and this type of media now and, but it, you know, it, it makes me wonder, you know, what, what does, I don't think it's about prisons and jails anymore. It's about you know. It's about what accountability looks like. Yeah. In this yeah. world, and rest, what restitution and reparation looks like in this yeah. world. 
So know. it's moments like this where, like, I feel like... As, yeah, I didn't want to... You know. No, 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 no. The, the fandom is, like, all, it's in this perpetual, like, two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. So we get this, like, fantastic character study on grief. Right. Uh, and the response is, she should go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's, to me, is really childish. Mm. Um, because... Oh, who cares? <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Yeah. Um, who gives a shit is, yeah. is my response to that. Uh, the criminal justice system is incredibly flawed and broken. And with, in the context of the story, like there's no prison that could hold Wanda Maximoff um, unless there, maybe there's some other dimension you can <laughs> send her to or, or wherever. Um, but like the idea of, of turning it like WandaVision season two is just a law and order parody where Wanda is on trial <laughs> <laughs> is, is the dumbest idea. Uh, it, it just reminds me of like people who were mad at the end of Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> like it's bullshit that Ben Solo is a good guy now when he committed and and they said the same thing about anakin too that he's a good guy because he committed genocide and all these crimes like the movies aren't saying he's a good guy uh right. <laughs> there's there's opportunities like you said for redemption right and i think that's the theme that is is frequently lost in this because people are so cynical and i i just i i find that that whole like i said i find the whole attitude of like she should go to prison for what yeah. she did well, like, yeah, probably, but in real life, people do all kinds of terrible stuff all the time and don't go to prison for it. Uh, way people do way worse stuff than what Wanda Maximoff did, and our we, uh, we just lived through <laughs> we just lived through four years of that shit. Yeah, we lived through it uh, <laughs> way more than four years of it. Well, well you know, <laughs> directly, <But> especially, <laughs> yeah, blatantly in your face four years of it um and that sucker's walking free and so the idea that like the police are gonna put handcuffs on her and we're gonna like send her to some kind of super prison is just the most unimaginative idea <laughs> it, it feels like it, it just it and and uh, i'm saying this knowing full well i brought it up yeah yeah it feels like bait yeah. And not not to uh not to, you know, further a discussion about it, but to just kind of get some attention. Yeah. And and, and you know, get get some noise around it. It could. Um, um but like the logic of that question though, and I, I think probably some of the fans who asked it uh didn't like that the main character was a woman. Um because if you want Wanda Maximoff to go to jail for what she did, then you should also want a, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you should have wanted Tony Stark to go on trial. Yeah. <laughs> because from the instant we see him in Iron Man, Tony Stark has done more damage to the world than Wanda Maximoff ever does in WandaVision. And Tony yeah. Stark gets a hero's death. Um, and nobody at any point is like, Tony Stark is a war, he should be on trial for war crimes for manufacturing and selling weapons around the world he's a capitalist he's the good guy (laughs) he's like bruce wayne but cooler um but uh and and robert downey jr is like redeeming himself 
um, Elizabeth Olsen does this wonderful performance. Um, and the reaction is like, I didn't know. Did you know that she's related to those kids? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it's like, it, holy shit, man. Like, where have you, where have you been? And to further character redemption. <laughs> um, uh, I, I think I like the show more because it gives Wanda agency and character outside of how she was established in uh, in Age of Ultron and Civil War. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. For sure. Be- like because uh, I mean, even and given what we uh, given what we know about the proclivities and, and mannerisms of certain creatives involved in her uh, introduction. Yeah. Uh, uh, the fact that, you know, they would always argue, you know, she's just a girl. It's like, uh, you know, you, you gotta, that portrayal doesn't fly anymore. Yeah. Um, it yeah. didn't when, when it was in the movies and it definitely doesn't now. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's good to see her fully present and in control of, of what she's doing. Yeah. Yes. Even amid all of this horrific grief and loss, Mm -hmm. you know, it makes the story that much better. Yeah. And again, we don't, we we don't see, and and it's part of the hook, you know, we don't see uh, how she's going to make amends. She says she's going to, you know, she's going to learn this power. Yeah. And she goes away. And I, and I saw, I even saw people, you know, harping on the fact that, uh, Monica says, you know, they don't know what they won't know what you sacrificed. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, yeah, it's, it's a little on the nose, but you know what? It's pretty damn true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have been reflecting on that quite a bit over the past six weeks. And that is, yeah, it's very true. Um, I just wanted to say like, uh, before I like gush about the character, like the character work, as since we're back on that, uh, Loki led an invasion of <laughs> New York City with the goal of, of destroying uh, or taking over or destroying the world, and that spawned a fleet of tumblers <laughs> doing slash fiction. Yeah, where, uh, Loki is my boyfriend. Uh, yeah, there's no like <laughs> we should we should you know summon the Send send Loki to the International Criminal Court. <laughs> Get the United Nations on the- <laughs> for this. This is an outrage. Like he's a handsome guy who was a badass and and charming and kind of snarky, and people fell in love with him. Uh, I think Elizabeth Olsen or, or Wanda Maximoff deserves that same um, benefit. Yeah, right. And not like she should go to prison. Like it's just misogynistic bullshit that comes up. Um, but what is cool about the MCU that I, I guess I knew, but I didn't, it didn't occur to me until now. Uh, one of the strengths of having all these characters in the same shop for so long means that we do actually get to see the characters change and evolve. It is not something that, um, DC characters have had for a long time. It's certainly not something Spider-Man has had until very recently, right? Okay. Once he got, um, in house, kind of, um, a little bit with the X Men, at least with with Wolverine, kinda, <laughs> sorta, 
in in like a Godzilla sense, maybe. Yeah. But not yeah. Batman, right? No, not Batman. Batman has not changed one iota, except get old. <laughs> and and that's it. And like that character, uh, as much as I've been a Batman fan for much of my life, it's going to take 20 years <laughs> for Batman. It's going to take another generation of, of filmmakers, whatever, whatever the holy Snyder cut has. Uh, <laughs> Batman and Superman need to grow and they haven't, they haven't had the opportunity to right. um, because they've been housed in this like basically action movie with a little bit of sci-fi twist on it for so long. Um, we haven't seen them grow. Tony Stark goes from this obnoxious asshole to, to throwing himself on the biggest grenade in the history of the universe. Yep. Um, and we have that direct path to where, you know, Steve Rogers tells him that he would never be the guy to take a grenade. Um, never be the guy to lay on the wire. And, and Tony says he'd find a way to cut the wire. And this, and at the time it's just this like back and forth banter. And then we see, we see how it ends, right? That it was Tony who, who sacrificed everything. Um, and Cap did not. <laughs> Cap in his own way did. Yeah, Cap but did. Uh... Got <laughs> got the girl in the end, which you didn't expect. Those two characters when they first meet in Avengers. If you said the way this ends is Tony married with a daughter that he he does not want to give up but has to, and Steve Rogers basically uh, yeeting himself out of the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> to live out a normal maybe that's WandaVision season 2 is Steve Rogers just Steve Rogers just sitcom. jumping through <laughs> we, we see that that reverse 70 years <laughs> yeah his trip, his trip returning all the Infinity Stones and his, his final battle with Red Skull <laughs> and then he's like a, a high school football coach accidentally throwing the ball <laughs> You know, two hundred yards. <laughs> I wonder, and this is this is just speculation at this point. But I wonder if there, I wonder if we're going to get like a secret movie or something with him. That that adventure we didn't see, that he won't talk about. Yeah, you know, I think we will. I think we'll find out whether or not we will in this upcoming series, the one with that show with Bucky in it. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> of madness, I think is going to really reveal a lot of stuff. My hope is, yeah. um, cause I, I think, cause there's an, the, you know, the rumor always comes up that Chris Evans is coming back. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if we're getting set up for like some combo of, uh, of, uh, well, they're doing the secret invasion series mm-hmm. with, with, uh, Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson. But I wonder if we're really getting set up for uh, an MCU take on Secret Empire. I have no idea what that is. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's basically it's basically Hydra Cap. Okay, yeah. But it's 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 um it 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 turns out to be um a a a version of Captain America for Hydra created by Cosmic Cube versus the embodiment of Captain America. Hmm. Which is, you know, Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm wondering if we're going to get it, and it's really, uh, it's really, um, 
uh, wow, I'm, I'm blanking. <laughs> it's really Falcon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be, that could be cool. It feels yours. It's, yeah. it's, it's supposed to be yours, but it, it's actually him at the end of it. Yeah. So, yeah. And like they've, Brody. They <laughs> I just, I just no. completely blanked. Wow. Because it's like, Sam Wilson. That, the uh, uh, a theme of Heckmouth is that we're recording these <laughs> after my children are in bed and retired. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so I was I was gonna say that if they do want to do like that secret story, that it would be fun. Um, if it was like almost like a a series of James Bond movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with Cap obviously in the Bond role, like an American James Bond. Um, and maybe even like a more of a, a Connery bond, <laughs> right. And, and less of a, less of the, the more, the more recent bond stuff where there, there's still action, but it's, it's toned down quite a bit emphasis on like the spy stuff. I think that'd be really fun, um, to see him in that, in that role. I think he would, I think Chris Evans would have a blast with it. Um, oh, yeah. I think it would be a good way to, if he doesn't want to do a lot of the, um, obviously it's a very physically demanding role if he has no desire to do that <laughs> and would rather um spend this next phase of his career in more of a knives out kind of position <laughs> i think this makes perfect sense it's a it's a great way to do a series of almost wholesome <laughs> spy movies um theoretically they could even be like pg yeah right because he's he's not he's going to be the james bond who doesn't have any bond girls right he's always coming home to peggy um, and I think people would eat that up. I think it would make a bajillion dollars. Oh yeah, <laughs> with, yeah. with the right the right director. Um, and I, I'm sure like there are all sorts of like pretty fun villains that you could you could throw in there, getting in his way of of returning the Infinity Stones. And then of course, like returning the stones turns out to be really easy <laughs> in the end, right? Um, I think it'd be fun. Um, so, anything else that we want to talk about? This is this has turned into a not just a Wandavision, but like an all-encompassing, almost MCU thing. Yeah, but I mean, that's I think that's that's par for what what the show brings because yeah. it, it you know it it did a lot of great stuff character-wise, but it was also very uh, forward-thinking for what it set up. Yeah, too because um, uh, you know we see there's tension between. Uh, Monica and Carol for some reason. Um, well, of course, the big reason is, of course, uh, the fact that uh, Monica's mother passed away during the five-year period and Carol's off in space. So, you know, that's going to cause some stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, the fact that Monica has powers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where she, you know, it's hinted that uh, she's going to talk to Nick Fury. But is she? Because there's scrolls involved. So yeah. <laughs> so you know, um, uh, that teaser at the end of uh, of WandaVision with Wanda at the cabin. I wonder if it's going to come out that uh, Sam Raimi directed that cabin footage because damn it, that looked like Evil Dead. <laughs> so yeah, you, know, you got a creepy book. Exciting, Exciting uh, Sam Raimi to have a to have an evil book. Uh, again. And to have like another object for the the series, because that's one thing that we've had, like Thor's hammer, uh the shield. We still have the shield, but I don't want to say relegated to, to the series, but 
we don't know if we'll see it on the big screen again. Right. Um, who knows what's happening with, with the hammer or with the axe or anything with Thor. Well, uh, uh, well, uh, hammer got destroyed, but, uh, there, there are pictures and it's, mm-hmm. it's confirmed that, uh, Natalie Portman's coming back as Jane Foster mm-hmm. who will be Thor in the movie. Yeah. Which is so, great. And yeah. talk about like a redemptive arc <laughs> right? <laughs> to get Natalie Portman back after all this time. Um, good for her for holding her ground. Um, yeah. Uh, but having like another object, especially since the infinity stones are done for now, right. as we start building something new, having the book, a, a book of the dead <laughs> to come into this, into this already like messed up world is going to be really exciting um, yes. in the hands of a, not necessarily fragile, but, um, and in Wanda's hands, <laughs> yeah, overextended and still looking yeah. for that actual purpose. You know? Yeah, you know, yeah, she's yeah. she's the Scarlet Witch, but what does that mean? And of course, as they were hinting, what else? You know, are there other beings like her? Yeah, untethered. We'll say, yeah, an untethered Wanda who's lost everything. Um, so, yeah, maybe this means we should do like episodes about not every movie because that's that's too much <laughs> but maybe maybe the avengers plus like the the significant like i think civil war um, yeah there's a there's a five movie avengers run i've been thinking about yeah maybe doing that um could be could be fun to go through but uh we will wrap that up here um griff do you have anything that you want to plug anything that i want to plug um if you enjoyed the banter here and want to hear more banter involving me and other folks, uh, sometimes you're on the show. Uh, while. <laughs> once in a while, we have to get you back for, I think, Mandalorian, our Mandalorian blowout. Yeah. Um, uh, you head to it's them where you find over 60 episodes of it's them damn enchiladas, the podcast. It is a, uh, horror sci-fi, uh, themed, podcast dedicated to the exploits of one Roy Burns. That's right, the killer of Friday the 13th, part five and part five only. Uh, it's uh, me, Carl Severa, Rob Christie, yapping. Right now we're putting Rob through his horror movie paces. Uh, two movies a week, uh, an episode, and he has to pick which one was picked up. Uh, he's been going through some rough stuff. Lately. So... <laughs> So uh, we're ramping up to our big end where we watch Demons and Demons 2 and um, he gets to figure out why I love Bobby Rhodes so much. Uh, Other than that, you can find me on Twitter at Griffmoy, G-R-I-F-F-M-O-Y where I tweet about action figures and video games I want to see. Cool. I need to listen to the the torture (laughs) going through. Uh, I've seen allusions to it on on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I, I, I probably I need to listen. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter, although I'm taking a, a break uh, at Hey Doctor Will on H E Y D R W I L. What else? Uh, I have an academic podcast. Nobody cares about that here. Um, we should say uh, this show is being produced by Hollywood Mark Warren. Uh, producer to the stars. Uh, I'll include all of that in the wrap-up file. 
Uh, next month we're talking about Scream, and then um, who knows after that uh, if there is a if there is a film uh, a film franchise, a director, screenwriter, uh, TV series, whatever um, in sci-fi uh, uh, horror um, fantasy, any of the genres um, that you are passionate about and you want to come on here and rave about with Griff and I. Um, let us know on the Red Hot Twitter machine. Um, until next time, folks, uh, take it easy. Heckmouth is produced by Mark Warren and is part of the Scatterbrain Radio Network. For more information, go to scatterbrainradio.com. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs>